Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Wave Break Podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. Listen, in uncertain times, you need to be supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers. It's going to be appreciated. It's going to be remembered. It's going to be shared. And in good times and bad, this type of communication that's open and empathetic with your customers is key. This is a key theme that we've been talking about at Waybreak. I've been preaching this on the podcast. And when you're communicating with your customers in this way, the best way to do this is with email. It is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering communication like this. And what I love about Klaviyo is that email is one of its core offerings. And their personalization that you can do inside Klaviyo is just, it can't be beat. And when you leverage that personalization driven by a 360 degree view of the customer, these emails are going to feel more relevant and they're going to drive even stronger relationships. And Klaviyo gets it. They're not just, you know, some company. They understand how challenging it is right now for every entrepreneur. You know, it was hard to get your business off the ground and navigating these times is even harder. And if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, know that you're not alone. Klaviyo is here to help you build relationships across any distance for your brand and create memorable and meaningful email marketing moments that last a lifetime. And that's how you build a successful e-commerce brand. And this is why I love Klaviyo so much, because they're on the same page with me and Wavebreak. is like, we're not just about making more revenue. That's great. But what this is really about is an opportunity to create an amazing community with your customers. And the best way to do it is with email. And if you're not on Klaviyo, you got to get on Klaviyo. Visit klaviyo.com to schedule a free trial. That's K-L-A-V-O. IYO.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Wavebreak Podcast. Really excited for this one. We got a lot of really good feedback from the last time we kind of did like roundtable discussion. Uh, so I'm joined by Alex Hostetler today from the Wavebreak team. Obviously, I'm Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO of Wavebreak, host of the podcast. Today, we're just going to be talking about news, changes in e-commerce, what's going on. Actually, not really short-term stuff. We're not going to be talking about iOS 14 or anything like that. We're going to be talking about like longer-term looking ahead. So while you guys are thinking about the day-to-day, we kind of want to stretch stretch your mind, kind of like talk about trends that are going to be happening inside the bigger e-commerce market and just in the marketplace in general this year as far as Uh, Like some examples of what we're going to cover is the cost of returns, what that looks like. Um, You know, I think pretty much have all the earnings reports gone out for everybody pretty much by now. It looks like they are. It looks like a lot of earnings reports are going out and some of it's really exciting. Some of it's really promising. A lot of it's really disappointing. You know, a lot of like doing a lot of things have really changed since last year. A lot of like brands, a lot of companies were bullish on people were like you know oh this is gonna be awesome this is gonna be great they actually turned out to really not be that way and a lot of th- brands that people are you know not too excited about they turned out to be really awesome performers especially like in 2020 during the pandemic so many things that a lot of people didn't even expect that were super like you know taking off brands that had like subscription models built in brands that had like a lot of like more just you know comprehensive features they really really did well last year and it was actually kind of surprising to a lot of people yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just like really interesting to look. I mean, Amazon obviously had a really good year. They're growing like crazy, even like outside of their e-commerce business with AWS. It's pretty insane. The numbers they're pulling, 
in just their Prime subscriptions alone at like, I forget, what is it, like 500, 500 million a month? Is that what they make on It's a lot. Uh, that might not be right. Some of that did that, but <laughs> it's an insane number. But, but yeah, I mean, like one of the most scary trends I think of last year is also the most exciting, which is like e-commerce grew so much. But the scary piece of that is these retail giants who have extremely strong brands and really deep pockets are now aware of this and uh, they've been innovating. And now that they're going to be sold solely focused on e-commerce, not going away, the, what was it? Director of innovation at H and M he was quoted saying like, yeah, e-commerce is never going away. And we're basically we're doubling down. And like, you know, as an up and coming brand, like these companies have pretty much unlimited resources, really strong brands already. So as an up and coming brand listening to this show, like we're going to be talking about some trends they're looking at and what they're doing and how you can stay competitive. So I guess first things first, should we talk about returns and what that looks like? Yeah, we should. I saw a really interesting statistic this morning. It said that about 30% of all orders from Amazon and Walmart were returned. And that was up, I believe, 70% from 2019. That was in 2020. It's really crazy how a lot of these companies before the pandemic, they were able to just, you know, sell their products in stores. I believe return rate in stores is around 10%. And now it's like going absolutely through the roof. And it's really almost a threat to a lot of companies that are trying to grow this year, next year and beyond. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially if you think about the cost of Facebook ads and paid social just constantly increasing on top of that returns and factoring that into your profit and just the way you're able to do things. Plus all the conditioning. I mean, these are big companies. You're talking about Amazon and Walmart. They're training consumers. Like that's why everybody wants two day shipping. And they're trying to roll out faster. They're trying to do one day. They're trying to do one hour. They're trying to do two hours. And right. some parts of everyone knows like Amazon's been testing for the longest time, like parts of England, like one hour delivery by drone. I mean, it's going to be really hard to stay competitive. They've been trying, granted, they've been trying to pull it off for years and years now. But once they're able to actually do it, you know, last mile delivery has always been the most expensive part of delivery for anyone. Once you're able to do that, like it's going to be really hard for other brands to keep up. Right. So basically to summarize, like really keep an eye on your return policy see if you can do something to, you know, turn returns into exchanges, minimize returns. We'll get kind of get into that in a second. But um, one, one company that's really cool is Loop Returns. Uh, we've done some events and like webinars and things with them in the past. And their platform's really great for turning um, returns into exchanges. Now's a really good time to think about it before it's too late. Uh, because like Q4 is huge return season too. Well, I guess technically Q1 as a result of Q4. So um, you know, don't forget to put that in your strategy, how to minimize returns. You can find a lot of profit. I mean, by doing that, I think Alex, there's some stat about like being able to recover like 500 grand for every million or what was that? Yeah, For every million reduced in returns adds about 500,000 to the bottom line. That's like the stat that I also read this morning. And it's really crazy. A lot of like, you know, the biggest cost of a lot of companies is the cost of return. And how do you minimize that? What Amazon and Walmart are doing is they're just letting people keep the products because actually shipping them back, that's a huge factor. Last month oh, wow. delivery, that's one of the biggest, most expensive things. And so, okay, you have like a $10 product. Is it worth paying $5 ship it back just for it to be reprocessed, probably repackaged and like sold wholesale somewhere? I don't know. For yeah, then they're crazy. saying no. So you don't even have to send it back anymore. <laughs> I mean, don't take that as like insider information to go buy stuff, return the not send it back. <laughs> oh, right. But, but just as policy, like just as crazy. policy, they're just I mean, definitely it. not on everything, but they just decide to eat it. I mean, there's probably, you know, ways to finesse it with your accountant with, you know, deductions. If you can like donate it somewhere, then they probably get the write-offs and all of that. But still, you have to get really creative with actually making this work. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. We actually have clients who do that now that I think about it their returns actually never go back to them and they just like end up like donating them to the Salvation Army or something, which is a cool option. And 
I think that's another alternative too. It's like we get so stuck in one way of thinking that like, oh, we have to, we're going to do returns. We have to get it back. We have to resell it. But, you know, opening up the mind, it's like, okay, maybe it's actually more profitable to not. Um, that's yeah. pretty crazy. But there's also, when you think about returns, like why are people returning? In 2020, a lot of people were returning because they were just buying. They didn't want to leave their house. They would just buy things, myself included, buy them in like five <laughs> different sizes. I don't know what size is going to work. My mom and does four that. Of the five. Sorry, everyone <laughs> listening with an apparel brand. Sorry, we're part of the problem, but we're also trying to be part of the solution because what a lot of brands don't do, that's actually saving a lot of people that are in this space. They're working on building out a lot of technology or their licensing technology. And there's a ton of software out there that either brands are building or that's kind of third party that allows you to either try on stuff before you actually buy it. Ulta Beauty has one where you can try on makeup before you actually buy it. Tommy Hilfiger is doing one where you can take a picture of yourself and then add clothes to your body so you actually know what's going to fit you. A lot of the returns are just things not working out right. It's not people not wanting the product changing their mind. It just doesn't work the way it would have if they bought it in stores. It's why like the return rate in stores is about 10% and return rate online is 30 percent yeah that's really interesting i mean it's crazy to think of like augmented reality like it's kind of like you know last year and the year before were like big years for sms where sms used to be like this kind of fad not like a fad but there was like really not it wasn't as a mainstream yet and now it's really picked up speed uh it's a great channel consumers love it um but it's also the same with like augmented reality it used to kind of be like i remember like a few years ago it's like why even worry about it because like nothing's figured out yet but now people are figuring it out and i mean even yesterday we we got a new office is like trying to get a desk for it you go to the amazon app and you can like put the desk in your office with their like vr which is just like crazy the tech's getting really good and a lot of companies know this and have been doing this for years like even ashley furniture yeah the innovation in all these industries is really really substantial a lot of it you know furniture companies have been doing this they've been trying to do it for a really long time way for everyone included they've been trying to you know i mean their returns cost must be insane oh their cost returns for furniture must be <laughs> for a through couch. the roof uh. through the roof of course they're trying to invest of course they have to be i mean brands like these they were innovating way before e-commerce was even that popular because the cost return was just so high they needed to make sure the product actually worked for the people furniture is probably the best example huge you know huge size <laughs> like yeah. a couch is huge compared to a room it's a pain it to just fit, ship it to someone let alone get it shipped back exactly and a lot of these companies too if they you know drop it off a lot of mattress companies too a lot of them you know they offer like free trial if you don't like the trial if you don't like the product they encourage you to, like use it for at least 60 days then they'll come pick it up for free Mm. the cost of the return crazy they you make sure the product actually works for you like that's the best way to actually minimize and make sure that people are actually going to like it they're actually going to use it they're actually going to enjoy it and then the cost at the end of the day doesn't fall back on you because the cost is really really starting to get into the bottom line especially as e-commerce and online sales are really going through the roof yeah for sure and then on the technology side like everything's just picking up like i mean we've got robots who can like my friends working on a startup where like he turns text to speech and it sounds like a human saying it. Like it doesn't sound like that robot, um, which is like insane. It's the same on the, the side with technology. I mean, Snapchat filters have been around for what, like five years now? Like you like a long time, <laughs> put, put things on your face and it looks real. Like some of them look creepy. Like, like the baby one, like you makes your face a baby. It looks so real. And then the other thing is too, um, with that. Yeah. I mean, the technology is there. And so we'll probably see some companies, in the Shopify space, start to roll out some. There's already some, 
Um, what's the, what's the one? Do you remember the name? There's already a few. I believe there is. I believe one of them is Perfitly, and the other one that's really cool is Z Kit. Mm-hmm. And Perfitly, I mean, both of them are kind of more geared towards trying on apparel before it's actually used. Oh, but it's really interesting because a lot of these apparel. How does that even work? Like, you <laughs> just put it on, or I mean, the one I read some example uh for the one with tommy hilfiger you take a picture of yourself and then i guess they somehow size you up and make sure the clothes that you're buying are actually gonna fit you which is kind of nice um some of the other ones i'm assuming they're using some sort of you know dimensions like that or your measurements to make sure the clothes are actually gonna work because that is really truly the biggest cost and it's really interesting the shift in retail too if you think about it back in 2018 2019 world was normal the question was never about how do we minimize returns. Our rate was 10%. That was <laughs> the question. The question, in their minds, the biggest expense was the cost of the retail space. So the mm. question was, how can we have a lower cost of a retail space? And Nordstrom actually came up with this really innovative idea for a no-inventory store that they actually rolled out in Los Angeles. And in that store, they basically just had one of every size. You would go in, find the one that worked for you, and then they would ship it to your house. Oh, wow. And so their stores went from, like... 40,000 square feet to 4,000 square feet. That's pretty smart. I feel like Lululemon does that. They, I feel like they never have the right stuff in stock. Maybe it's just because yeah. I'm like the most common proportions. <laughs> no inventory Like men's medium. Like, yeah. <laughs> I swear, they're always like, sorry, we don't have this. I can, I can order it for you. No inventory store. You're not supposed to have anything in stock. You're supposed to have just one of everything and then oh, I guess that's the rest just gets shipped to you automatically and that actually did that was actually a huge savings for a lot of companies that were doing stuff like that but now the question is the cost of the return that's the next biggest expense on the balance sheet crazy. it's really adding up quickly i mean retail space as we all know you know retail is for the most part will not be back the way it was especially right. like you know big malls big shopping centers unless it's like a flagship store it probably won't be as big as prevalent as it was mm-hmm. i mean brands they'll be carried in sephora ulta they'll be carried all these different like departments will they have their own you don't know. Yeah. I would love to see some data, too, on, like, the impact of people not living in cities anymore. So, mm, like, for example, like, what percent of retail sales occurred in New York City? And now, with all those stores closed, what, what does that look like? I'm very curious on that. And then, which I don't think the data is out yet. And then also, I'm interested, like, once things open back up again, after a lot of people have left, what what that's going to look like, especially because like New York had a really big, you know, luxury scene as well. Um, Huge, probably one of the biggest in the world. Yeah. I mean, like, like that's, I mean, those brands, you know, the one, the ones in Nordstrom and the ones, you know, even like, I mean, just think about the, you know, all the LVMH companies, like, but they had a great year. Cause I, th- I didn't they, I, I haven't Some really of them did. Some had good years cause they accepted other losses. And that's me. We'll get into, oh, you know, it. knowing when to cut your losses. And we'll get into that whenever we talk about LVMH and Rihanna, but like, for example, Victoria's secret, I believe they're paying 2 million a month for one of their stores in Herald square in New York city. <laughs> 2 million a month. Two million, so are do they, they, do they even close cover it? revenue on that? Like, do they even make a profit on that? I mean, that? it's kind of like whenever you're, you know, trying to have a flagship, like you're telling me you might accept that you might like, not have a profit, but, Five million a month <laughs> off that? I mean, whenever things shut down. Five million a month off the store. That I, Friday in March, things shut down. It never came back. They were one of the first to close, actually. I'm like, two million a month. <laughs> two million a month. It's crazy. That's just in rent for one store. Just for one. And they what have do you everywhere. think they spend on rent in New York alone? Because they don't just have no one idea. store. 
That was just their one store in Herald Square. That's crazy. But they were actually one Did of the they first get rid store. of it? Yeah, that, they were one of the first to actually close back <laughs> in in New York. Everything started to get really bad. I believe the second week of March, and I think they closed in in May or June. They were the first to actually cut their losses. Well, they save a good fifty million. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's really <laughs> in unfortunate. A year? Oh my goodness! And now the questions about oh, do you even have to if you haven't paid rent, do you even have to pay your rent? Oh, wow. that's what the question shifting to now, which that's not really our field of expertise at all. <laughs> we are not real estate experts. <laughs> We're not real estate experts. Disclaimer, do not make a yeah. purchase based off this podcast. <laughs> but we are not lawyers. Uh, even though we didn't give any legal advice. I just feel like anytime there's a disclaimer, you have to say we're not lawyers <laughs> or financial advisors. We're not financial advisors. Do not go get a $2 million a month place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's probably on clearance right now. You can probably pick it up for like, I don't know, 175. Let's take a quick break and get a word from our sponsor. Listen, it's getting more expensive to drive profitable traffic to your website every month every year. You need to do everything you can to maximize conversions. That's why I love and use today's sponsor, JustUno. They're the best tool in the game for conversion rate optimization. Two things I really love about them right now. I mean, they're first of all, they're a really great company, really great team, uh, you know, one of the best to work with. Uh, but two features I love of JustUno. Number one, they have these AI-powered upsells that you can take and put anywhere in your store that has HTML. So you can put them in the checkout, you can put them in your cart, you can put them on the product page. This is their Just Uno Plus product. And what's great about that, it has this AI in it that tracks buyer behavior and puts recommendations that people are actually gonna buy. So you get more conversions and you get higher average order value and it's just gonna help your business scale a lot easier and it's really easy to set up because you also get a strategist with it. And the Just Uno Plus strategist, they know exactly what's working and how the best brands are leveraging Just Uno and they can take that insight and apply it to your brand with zero learning curve um, and help you drive more conversions using their platform on your website. The second thing I really love about Just Uno is their advanced list growth tools uh, and specifically how you can segment based on traffic and a ton of other different metrics so you can really maximize list growth as well as conversions using on-site pop-ups and different promotions that they have. Um, and all of this works extremely well. Uh, Just Uno customers see an average of 135% lift in revenue during their first year using the platform. And what's awesome about it is it also links to Klaviyo, Postscript, and all of the other software that you use. So you can close the loop, link everything together. Everything's personalized. Everything's automated. It's all nice and flows and connected. Um, and it drives great results. So if you want to learn more about Just Uno Plus and snag a sweet discount because you're a listener of this podcast, all you got to do is go to justuno.com slash wavebreak. Link is down in the show notes below. It's justuno.com slash wavebreak. Sign up for a free trial and get 20% off your first year by using code wavebreak. Like I said, it's down in the show notes below. Go check them out. Let's get back into this episode. I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of office spaces in New York, they were sublet. Like, I was um, joking with Dylan. I'm like, oh, wow, Waybreak showed you this office. JP Morgan's leasing their, subleasing their entire 27th floor <laughs> for, I think it was like 20 cents a square foot. Otherwise, it's like $2 a square foot. All right, like, taking a huge loss. Wow. They're just like, we're out. <laughs> what's 20 cents a square foot, though? What's I mean, that it still be? adds up to like several hundred thousand a month versus several million a month. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> goodness. That's crazy. It's crazy that they were paying that to begin with. $2 a square foot. No wonder all these big companies are ditching offices. They're spending so much. I mean, like, you know, us and the people listening to this podcast, I mean, we've been living in WeWork. Heck, that Amex Platinum perk is what got (laughs) us through the last couple of years. Yeah, that should be, you can do a whole episode on, like, the perks of credit cards. Like, Amex Platinum business card, free WeWork for a year, totally worth it. So great. We're part of the reason WeWork, like, not only do we return products, we also use 
we work in the most efficient way possible, costing them millions of dollars per hour. <laughs> we work in co-working. It was actually really fascinating. They had a horrible year, which no one really saw coming. No one really saw coming, like, the decline in co-working whatsoever. Because I remember... Well, when was the Adam Newman stuff? Like, the Adam the- Newman, that was, like, more so in 2019. They are trying to go public. Everything was, like, kind of going crazy. Ah. But in 20... I believe it was in 2017, I was actually working for a real estate firm in Shanghai, China. And we worked in a lot of the... When WeWork was really taking off, all these other places were really taking off. And the biggest trend at the time was co-living because people were, you know, if you get a job at an investment bank, you move to Dubai, you know no one, you move into a co-live facility for a couple of months, you make friends, you have like all the space you need, you don't have to like buy an apartment. It worked. And it was a huge trend. We, you know, we were renovating a 60-story building in Hong Kong to be like all co-live spaces. And now that whole whole trend is dead. Nobody <laughs> wants to live together anymore. No one wants to live together. Don't no one wants to work together. Me. Don't sneeze near me. It's crazy if you look at just the history of the past, you know, couple of years, how quickly everything's, how even like the consumer mindset has changed, not out of like, you know, anything other than bare necessity. Like now it's just not remotely feasible anymore. Co-working, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of gone, but getting back on track. Yeah, 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 back we, on track. Yeah, we love talking about WeWork. And we WeWork's love talking losses. about WeWork. Every time we, we stop into a WeWork, we talk about, hey, how much did they lose that hour we were in there? Yeah, how much was it? We calculated <laughs> one day WeWork's losses. I believe they were losing 200000 an hour. Yeah, but it was in 2019. Yeah, but like then it went up even more. Like, <laughs> it went they're up losing more. way more now, I think. Their but, valuations yeah, gone way down. Anyway, back to retail. Yeah, so Rihanna. Special guest on the show, Rihanna. No, just Special guest, Rihanna, Fenty Beauty. <laughs> She's here. I wish. That'd be awesome. <laughs> She's here. Stay tuned. Subscribe to the podcast to yeah. hear us whenever we interview Rihanna. Yeah, it's really interesting. So Fenty Beauty, you know, we mentioned earlier knowing when to cut your losses, whether it be on the balance sheet, whether it be, you know, how you're doing your deals, whether it be, you know, with returns, however it might be, know when to cut your losses. That's what LVMH just did with Rihanna. She's gone. Did they cut her? Did she <laughs> they cut, cut her? Oh, she, they cut Rihanna. They yeah, or they didn't fully cut her. They're kind of cutting her off. Oh, her stuff. Her sales were in 2019. It looks like they weren't really doing too too well, which is kind of interesting. I what think it's almost signaling like the decline of the influencer brand. In 2020, they were beyond going downhill. What? Extremely. Fenty's the only thing that did well. well the only part that did well, they launched over summer, was Fenty's skin. And that did pretty well. It sells really pretty decent. But overall, it wasn't really as huh. strong as people had expected to be really undercut expectations. And so LVMH, they cut her off. They oh, didn't nice. fully, you know, cut her totally out. But like she's still in Sephora. Cut her down. She's still in Sephora. Okay. She's still around. She'll still be around. Huh. Still have all the products. But it's really interesting that they knew when, like, one of the most prevalent brands in the world. Everyone talks about Rihanna. She's a genius. She's a billionaire. <laughs> Is she a billionaire? With, well, I think it's rumored. I don't know if it's actually real or not. Oh, wow. Insider <laughs> info. It's hard to tell, you know. Alex knows everything. Private. <laughs> near private citizen it's kind of hard to tell <laughs> but crazy. um yeah they yeah she's it's really crazy and it's really interesting too because if you even look at the kardashians like kim kardashian kylie jenner all of them with cody everyone knows that cody overpaid for those brands like if you read like i read cody's 
board meeting notes from like the day <laughs> they actually bought and all their board of advisors was like we're drastically overpaying for this based off the multiple kylie jenner only made 25 million dollars in 2019 she's wow. not a billionaire <laughs> fun fact if you look up like her company's financials they're publicly traded through cody she's not a billionaire by any means they paid her 600 million dollars because she's an influencer Revenue Same is with. vanity. Enterprise value is sanity. Yeah, yeah, but the EV of the company she got does make her one because didn't she sell that fifty percent stake for like if you think about it that way, five or six hundred million? If you think about it that way, she sold fifty one percent for I think six hundred million. Oh my Like goodness. that metric does make her a billionaire, but the oh, revenue but doesn't put million. it anywhere. What a revenue yeah. multiple. Twenty five. She's 25. a tech company. <laughs> She's a She's tech zoom company. She's zoom in the pandemic. <laughs> she has the valuation <laughs> of a SaaS company. That's crazy. <laughs> I think she did only a hundred million in revenue, and then of that, about twenty five million in profit. It, which is nowhere close to what Forbes made her out to be. Um, but it's really crazy because they overpaid for her and for Kim. Um, I think they bought Kim somewhere in like the 10 to 20% range or about a hundred million. They overpaid because if you read the meeting notes for their booming, the CEO or whoever it was that was leading this acquisition, he was saying that if we buy them, like Cody, like their sales have been going down for a very long time. Like if we buy them, they'll help the sales of all our other products. But influencer brands are really not that strong. Kylie huh. Jenner, biggest influencer in the world, is only getting $100 million a year in revenue. Rihanna's the same way. She's an influencer, but she's not going to carry all of LVMH's profit. That's pretty, yeah, that's really impressive. How do you, plus like LVMH, I think they had a good year. I, I should have looked at the They had a pretty before. good year. You know, they own Sephora, I mean, they own Gucci, they own Louis Vuitton, they own, well, they're a huge conglomerate. Well, are all those companies down? Because I feel like what probably killed it was the alcohol brands in the pandemic. Probably. Because like all everyone did was drink. So like, and they're just so well diversified. Plus they have all the hotels. They are. Which isn't good, but I mean, it probably balanced out kind of like Amazon with AWS and then, you know. Yeah, Amazon, everyone knows Amazon was, you know, in the red for a very, very long time, but they actually got some profit through AWS through some other things and they're still really not that profitable on the shipping division because you know the cost of last mile What's delivery is MDL. insane yeah Amazon Logistics Amazon Logistics they have a lot of revenue streams that's another really big trend I think another big trend for this year is going to be having to diversify in some way shape or form just because you really cannot know what is coming in so you should always be diversifying you should also always be innovating because if you look at like a lot of these big companies they were thinking about this years and years and years before did they do anything about it no because it wasn't really a need it was kind of in like the important not urgent category it wasn't really that pressing they actually figure all this stuff out chipotle actually if you look at the food industry they were one of the only companies that had an amazing year do you know why dylan uh because they're so delicious and i ate there every day (laughs) that's probably (laughs) partially why you probably were like making their sock rally they invested heavily in takeout and I think delivery services, they invested heavily before the pandemic Years in 2019. Years in advance. Yeah. I remember them saying, it was like them and Domino's Pizza. They're like, no, 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 no. We're tech companies. We have an app. They are. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. Yeah. They invested so heavily before that whenever this happened, they could transition their entire kitchen to do takeout orders versus before. I mean, you know, in a kitchen, it's really, right. you have to have multiple lines for different things. No one coming in the stores. All their competitors were, you know. They're only, trying to figure it out. They try to figure out. They can't support the volume of the takeout orders. Yeah. They can't support it. And so can you, they Could you order at, like McDonald's in advance? Like, could you do know. that? Because your Polly's been doing that forever, you know? They've been doing that forever. You have to invest put the Billions and billions of dollars way before and it massively paid off. And after they invested, they still had billions of dollars in cash, so they didn't have to lay off that many people. They were prepared. And not that anyone knew this was coming by any means, but just being that forward thinking, always being innovating, always looking ahead, 
really pays off. Yeah, that's crazy. And like jumping back to the LVMH uh, and Fenty thing, like influencer brands, they're not doing as well as they used to. Like, what do you, why do you think that is? Like, is it because they don't diversify their marketing mix and they rely too heavily on the influencer? Is there too much market saturation? Is there not enough differentiation? Because the thing about Fenty too is like, it's a really great product with, you know, the way they do all the, like they basically have, what's, what's their thing? Like they have more skin tones than like any other brand. Yeah. Um, but like despite like i mean they have a great product is are they missing on the marketing side or like what do you think is like not sticking for them i mean 2020 was kind of tough too because i imagine i wish we looked at the lvmh data because i don't know is sephora doing as well because no one's going out as much or are people doing more makeup at home because it's fun i don't know that's a question we should ask takara because she would know <laughs> takara glam and grow podcast she would absolutely know the answer <laughs> to that question she would absolutely know the answer to that question I'd be like ask her have you done your hair and makeup in the past year <laughs> i mean she, she probably say? has <laughs> she probably has. <laughs> she probably definitely has but no to to answer your questions like why are influencer <laughs> brands not doing that well it's really interesting i mean it's not really everyone's saying like you know the influencer rave is said like there's gonna be a huge shift there's really not a shift these people are making a ton of money and they're always gonna make a ton of money but what i don't think people really realize is there's almost a ceiling to it mm. You know, if you're an influencer, you can have a ton of products. Even if you maintain the exclusivity, if you don't oversaturate yourself, you have really great value, your customers love you, you're still probably not going to have, like, on your own, a billion-dollar brand. A lot of these billion-dollar brands are in some way, shape, or form a conglomerate or have multiple revenue, vol- like, verticals. Ah, uh, that makes sense. And just, like, o- over in general, it's like you can only scale the influencers so far. Like, everybody knows Rih- Rihanna, but, like, not everybody knows that Fenty Beauty is her company yeah. versus, like... I mean, like, it's really hard to scale it at, like, the super high level. I think, like, one of the few people that do it well is, like, Martha Stewart. She like, does it insanely well. I mean, she's everywhere. Like, I remember, like, <laughs> you know, she'd be in, like, Kohl's. Like, here's all my pants. Like, they have the Martha Stewart collection. Um, <laughs> like, but it's, but it's really hard. It is kind of, like, but it's almost like you have to end up building it into a brand that's separate. Like, an, oh, another good example, Magnolia. Mm. I don't know. They're scaling really well. I don't know what they're doing, but if you want to see what influencer brand success looks like, I'll take a look into that because they're doing a really good job. I mean, they've been expanding into retail. I imagine they're doing very well. Shopify Plus brand as well. Um, yeah, Magnolia Farms. Magnolia I'm blanking Farms. on the name. I can picture them. People listening will know, and they're probably going to laugh at this conversation. But yeah, that's super interesting. Um, okay, cool. So to to wrap up, I guess like, what do you think the top takeaways are for for listeners? Top tip away for listeners, you know, if you're if you are in this space, if you have a brand, if you're interested in starting a brand, if you're growing a brand, if you're in the space, definitely be looking at what's coming, know what the competition is going to be, and think about how you can position yourself to be safe, but also to be innovative, but also to be just forward looking. Because you know, if you really look at what's coming in the next couple of years, the trends as a whole. E-commerce is going to continue to rise. Right. Retail is probably going to continue to go down. People do enjoy shopping in stores. They'll probably like go back to store every now and then. <coughs> Will stores be profitable as like you know revenue per expense per location? Probably not as much as they used to be. So how do you pivot to adjust that? Obviously, you know we're all online. There's a lot of like pros and cons with that. Obviously, the cost to return. Just thinking about how you can look ahead, how you can yeah. you know add a lot of value to your customers, add a lot of value to your audience. And making sure that you're always keeping the bottom line in mind, worst case scenario, best case scenario, doing a lot of, you know, scenario planning, Yeah. <laughs> always being and forward thinking, innovating, staying on top of trends. And if you're, you know, in the clothing space, if you're whatever space you're in, think about like, what is the biggest 
innovation trend? What is that going to be? What would make this industry really move in the next three to five years? If you're, you know, in the makeup space, look at Ulta Beauty. You can virtually try on makeup. That's amazing. <laughs> if you're like yeah. in the clothing space, you can virtually try on clothes. Like think about how you can add a lot more value to your audience while minimizing your cost, maximizing your brand, maximizing your exposure while still maintaining, you know, everything that makes you, you. Yeah, and exactly, that's a great point. Like, what makes you, you, do what big companies can't. They can't move fast. They're moving so slow. They can't. It's they're still not years. even ramped into e-commerce yet. Because, <laughs> like, they're, like, even though last year, like, they can't just go, okay, we're going. Like, no, they have procurement. They have all these things. Like, they have thousands of employees. Like, they literally have to move slow. So you can beat them on speed. And then the other thing you can beat them on um, and just really focus on without, like, stressing out a bunch is brand. Um, so like all these companies we're mentioning, Ulta, Tommy Hilfiger, uh, you know, whoever, like they have a strong brand. Like it doesn't matter what channel they're on because they have a strong brand. They can kill it everywhere. Like you think of Nike, um, right? Like, you know, they were big in malls. Now they're big online. Um, so if you build a really strong brand and focus on doing that, that's a really powerful, like tried and true way to really build something that lasts while also optimizing the day-to-day with technology look at your return strategy and then of course you know like other past episodes we talked about if you want to talk about retention you can go to our trends episode um that we did a couple weeks back and um listen to that one for trends on retention specific but yeah alex anything else and really really also use this time to your advantage all these huge companies you know to the cost to roll out all this stuff they have to first if you think about it you're a company right it might cost you several million dollars if not hundreds of millions of dollars to roll out something you're definitely going to wait to make sure that the need is actually there before you invest that money into rolling out these services that's what they're doing in 2020 they were every single company was waiting they're like okay is this going to be around for a long time is it going to be around for a long time all the doctors everyone's saying oh, it's going to be gone in two weeks it's going to be gone in two weeks they waited because they couldn't invest substantial money to actually solving the problem until they knew what the problem actually was and now they're going into the space and they're going in really really heavy so use this time small mover advantage first mover advantage to utilize all the resources you have all the software out there whether it be developing software licensing it whatever it might be really utilize everything that you have to catch up to these brands because once they roll out all these awesome features all this tech all these really cool things it's going to be really hard to stay competitive yeah, for sure. So move fast, keep doing your thing, keep the grit. That's what they don't have to. Like, you guys got this. This isn't meant to be like discouraging in any way. We just want to put on your radar, uh, you on know, what radar, these big companies coming. are doing, what's happening. So, so there's you guys a lot of opportunity. Of First mover advantage, a lot of opportunity. If any small brand rolls out this tech before one of the big brands do, they will get all the customers. Customers are going to love it. Think about what would a customer want. You're sitting at home. You're, you know, you're, you don't want to go in a store or where you might live, stores might be closed. Like, how do you want to shop? How do you want to see your products? A lot of people are buying commodities online. They're buying, you know, everything online. What does that customer experience look like? Really, I think it really, at the end of the day, boils down to customer experience. Make sure that customers are loving the experience with your store. Make sure they have awesome, you know, touch points, whether it be your marketing, whether it be the product itself, the packaging. There's so many different touch points to make a brand really unique and make sure that the overall experience of shopping with you is something that's innovative, fun, and something that everyone loves. Awesome. Well, 
this has been super fun, Alex. Um, listeners, if you're you know thinking through this and you want to add more profit to your business, at Waybreak, we specialize in advanced email and SMS marketing for e-commerce brands. We were one of the very first agencies focused on that. Started in 2016 by myself, powering over $100 million in profitable growth for our clients. If you want to learn more about us and how we can help you uh, with advanced strategy, best-in-class creative, and then become a true extension of your team so you barely even have to think about email and SMS while making a ton of money from it, uh, hit us up. You can learn more about us at wavebreak.com. So, Alex, thanks so much for, for taking the time thanks today. And uh, this has been super fun. So uh, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please drop a review and uh, we'll be back with another one soon. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better you're not generating enough email revenue, and you feel like you're leaving money on the table. But you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list, or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the Wavebreak method that, number one, makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. Let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store, and they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how or what what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge. And it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures uh, to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Waybreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue. And then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible and we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop. 